What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. After our discussion with Melissa and Adi, Scott brought up a good point and got me thinking. How are couples supposed to argue? Is there a right way? And what is the wrong way? I felt like it was important for our listeners and me to find an answer to this question. So I spoke to Dr. Tracy Dennis. The best way in is to first know that arguing is not a bad thing. She's a researcher, author, professor of psychology and neuroscience, and director of the Emotion Regulation Lab at Hunter College. She taught me how to argue well. So we had this discussion about couples, and this this couple works together, and um, Scott Omlianik, our Inc.'s editor-in-chief, had brought up this idea that he and his spouse were told long ago that they don't know how to argue. And then it came up that, you know, it's it's a really good question. So how do you argue? Because clearly, if you do it well, you can succeed in, in work and in life. And no matter what your goals may be, I mean, it's it's useful. So I want to ask you, what's what's the best way in? The best way in is to first know that arguing is not a bad thing. We avoid it. We think, oh, a good relationship doesn't have arguing in it. But really, nothing can be further from the truth because... There's always going to be something to discuss and work out. It doesn't mean you're losing control. So that's the first thing, like really accepting kind of the fact that we need to learn to argue well, not just argue less. The other thing is, I think the key is knowing that this is really about emotional intelligence. It's about not like beating someone at something like, I'm going to argue really well with you and, and make my point clear. It's really about creating connection. So there are some very classic principles Uh, from psychology, from relationship research that can give us good guidelines here about how to argue well. So the first one is this great, it almost was like a trick that an old school marriage researcher named John Gottman used to do on talk shows in the 80s. And um, this trick is that there's a ratio of positive to negative communication that every lasting relationship has. And he could get on a talk show and watch two people argue and with 90% accuracy predict who would end up still married a year later. I mean, it was it was wild. It would wow the crowd. But all, what he looked for were signs of positivity and he would look at four big ones. He would look for positive emotionality, warmth, those types of things relative to what he called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These... N- oh, gee. <laughs> More. <laughs> the negativity. And the negativity were criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So if he just literally watched, count up, counted up and said, okay, she smiled, um, and then she said something kind of critical, but then she laughed, and, and then he responded by doing these other five positive things. If you count up that ratio, And if a relationship during an argument gets to five positive for every one negative, you get, you you have a good balance. Whereas people who ended up breaking up a year after these kinds of, these kinds of experiments, they had a ratio of 0.8 to one, which means they'd have a little bit fewer of those positives relative to the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, the criticism, the, uh, you know, the contempt, the disgust, the defensiveness, all those kinds of things. So the first thing that we want to remember when we argue is even if we're making some tough points, to remember to infuse that positivity, to remember to infuse that empathy. 
So after we've accepted that arguing is good, to remember to have that balance. Another thing to remember from the marriage research is that when we're really activated, when we're physiologically aroused, our heart is racing, we feel our blood pressure rising, you know, maybe our cheeks are getting a little red. When we're in that fight-flight mode, that is not the time to argue. When our fight-flight system is activated, that means we are ready for a fight, but we're also in this really physiologically dysregulated space. Like, we're not ready to be able to listen, to understand, to process. And so taking a break in those moments is really crucial. Even if you say, listen, let's make a fight appointment and I'll meet you in two hours and I'll, and I'll, and let's have that conversation then. It's really, or if it's 15 or five minutes, being aware of how powerful that physiological response is, is, is really key. And actually, again, from that research, if you, if you actually predict couples and relationships who end up breaking up, it's people who have this high physiology during arguments. It's the death knell of a relationship. So you want to, that's another guideline for how to argue well. So you basically take your own temperature. Like if you, if you yes. know you're, if you know you're about to explode, stop, walk away, take 10, 15 minutes, hour, two hours, two days, whatever it needs whatever to it be. Is. And argument appointments are real things. It's kind of like worry appointments, if you've ever heard of those, when you actually schedule time to argue and you put those constraints on it, it gives you that distance so you're not just in this hot-headed moment. And it lets you also know that you can contain this argument, that it doesn't have to be spiraling out of control. So definitely take that break, as you just said, and don't be afraid to make that worry appointment. I'm sorry, that that argument appointment. Don't be afraid to make that argument appointment for later. Another really important thing, and I think is actually the most important thing that we can do during an argument, is to listen without interrupting to the other person. And it's hard. So hard. It is so hard because we're like, bah, bah. because you're always right. <laughs> you're always right? right. They've said five things that are wrong and you need to catch them up on it, whatever it is. Uh -huh. But write down, take your pad if you have to, write down the stuff that you want to say later. Listen without interrupting. It is the single most powerful thing that we can do during an argument because it allows us to create that give and take, optimal relationship experience that then gives us that extra strength to have our love and empathy come to the fore. Understand that we've been heard and, and are respected, but also need to give that same love and respect to the other. It just gets us in the right space to be able to have, instead of a fight, an actual productive disagreement. But I always think about when I have an argument with my spouse, which, you know, we all do, is I'm one of those people who likes to get the bad news immediately. So I'm one of those people who <laughs> certainly doesn't like to put off arguments. But at the same time, I, I realize that that's good. And I've also found that I, I get a lot more perspective when I do walk away. Like I start to realize, like I see things from his side of things. And I wonder if perspective is also helpful. Yeah, it's so powerful because it happens in relationships. It happens in our own heads. We start to think that our feelings and thoughts are reality. And when we have that little bit of distance, it just helps It just helps us know that there are other ways of looking at things. So it's that's absolutely, absolutely crucial to be able to do. And you can have little catchphrases for yourself, little mantras like, let's pick this up in an hour. And it's even going to be a signal to each other that this is when I need, or, or as you know, honey, I need some space to, to just 
come down to baseline? Can I have an hour? Like you can have little signals to each other. And that brings us to another point, which is that communication, communication, communication. We know our strengths and weaknesses. We know that in, in relationships, we tend to have the same argument 20 different ways, but it's the exact same argument. So when we can start calling out those patterns, when we can say, okay, oh, here's the, here's the 8 p.m. argument, that argument we always have at the end of the day, you know, when we're just trying to settle down, and, and you can start getting in front of it and start problem solving before it goes into these automatic pilot reclamations, saying the same thing over and over again. It just, when you see the patterns, you call it out, you have your catchphrases, you have these little um, signals to each other, it can, you, you can disrupt that cycle. I was going to ask you, so how do you avoid the big blow-ups? It's like anything. It's like if your child is about to have, you know, children who are in the midst of a meltdown and are like, you know, have kicking and screaming, you know, full-blown, you know, meltdown. We know that at the point it gets to the meltdown, it's too late. The only way to really help a kid not throw a fit is to get in front of it, to see the triggers. So in the same way that we know that same argument that we have over and over again, we do know the things that trigger that argument. It's when, you know, my husband dropped the ball on that tiny thing, but it just gets, it's just that, it's like, he does it every time and it just gets you, it, it starts the cycle again. So when we can identify those triggers before it becomes a blowout, um, when we can see, like, what is the story of our fights, those ones that we have over and over again, you can start to get in front of it. And if you do unfortunately have a blowout, which we all are going to have, just know that you can do repair. That one of the most powerful things you can do is to co go back and say, hey, I really messed up. To apologize, not in the way you like to apologize, but in the way you know your partner can hear an apology that makes a difference to them. Being able to do those repairs is another huge predictor of successful relationships. So it's not the number of fights, it's the number of repairs that predicts a relationship's ability to survive and thrive. And what's also kind of cool is when you think about like you're in this situation, we're talking about couples who work together. So you're in the business, you're not just arguing at home over dinner, you're in the business every day, you're, you're both very passionate about what you're doing. And you get heated, but you realize that you're both very passionate about it. So you both care very deeply about this thing that you're building together. So, I mean, it's kind of a beautiful thing that you both feel such passion toward your ideas. And it's just like, how do you harness that? Like, how do you turn the bad into the good? I love that. I think that's absolutely right. I think um, to remember what is the shared vision that drove us to do this incredibly hard thing of being entrepreneurs and doing it together. What is that passion? So even having, and again, it's hard to find time when you're heads down, nose to the grindstone. So to find actually to create those moments ahead of time where you say, at least once a week or once a day or whatever it is for you, we're gonna have a passion powwow <laughs> or a purpose powwow. What is our vision? Why are we doing this? Um, what really matters? And what are our kind of North Star guidelines about how we are in business, in a relationship? And, you know, there are going to be disagreements in the context of, of your business. Now, it's good if you have employees and other coworkers. It's good if they don't see mom and dad fighting all the time, you know. So you also know that part of your vision is hopefully to create this kind of environment for your business to be functional. So that can help you get back on track. But I think you're right. I think just really having those regular check-ins 
about why the hell are we doing this again? You know, what that can really help recalibrate when you're having those tough moments. So how what's what's a good guidepost for regular, like um, monthly, quarterly, annually? Oh, weekly. Weekly. Okay. Because it's communication, communication, communication. And of course, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I have a very, you know, a young bootstrap startup in the digital technology space and a health technology space, rather. And it's hard when we're all, we're trying to divide and conquer, everyone's doing everything. And if we don't have those regular touch bases every week, if not more frequently, things start slipping through the cracks, miscommunication. We don't know. It's also harder to appreciate what the other person is doing because we're doing so much of that. I'm going to do this part and you do that part. Let's do it. And if you don't come back and tell each other about your successes and your failures, you're not going to have that opportunity to support each other. So I'd say weekly is, even if it's for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, I think it's crucial. Do you advise people to bring this sort of business conversation home or to sort of strictly leave it at the door? I don't know anyone who can just leave it at the door, honestly. So God bless for people who can. Maybe that's the perfect world, but that's not really the real world, is it? I mean, I think instead what you have to agree upon are the constraints. Because if you're have if all of your time is talking about the business, if every vacation you take is nine to five talking about the business, that's not going to be a good balance for anyone. But I think it's going to mean different things to different people. A lot of people... Um, Remember, they're finding joy. It's not just work, too. This is this is a, a joyful thing. So, you know, just, but again, communication, communication, communication. Talk ahead of time about what your guardrails or guidelines are for what you do at home. And people are going to have different preferences, as you were talking about before, about argument style. The same with how much we bring our, our work life into our, our regular life. Uh, so just have that, have that discussion and find, and find the balance for you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And it's, you know, enlightening to know that I've been arguing all wrong all along. So I <laughs> appreciate that. Thanks, Diana. Great talking to you. And by the way, I argue wrong probably 75%, if not more of the time. Oh, that does make me feel better. Thank Just you. do your best. <laughs> <laughs> 